This is TechCrunch. This episode is brought to you by ShipStation. You know, some things take a lot of work, like sending little robots to far-off distant planets. And just as that's challenging, so too is running a successful e-commerce business, especially when there's so much to do. So I want to introduce you all to ShipStation. Now, I love using ShipStation because of its easy-to-use dashboard, which makes managing orders and printing labels a breeze and super smooth. Oh, and the customer service is just out of this world. It's exactly what you need to help grow your business. Sign up for your free 60-day trial at ShipStation.com slash technews. That's ShipStation.com slash technews. You're listening to The Daily Crunch. Today's story is brought to you by Deloitte, recognizing that no two companies are alike and neither are the paths to IPO. Deloitte helps emerging growth companies adapt and prepare for uncharted territory with high-quality audit services that deliver key insights and help light the way forward. Deloitte.com slash US slash EGC. YouTube's bully problems prove that community doesn't scale. By Drew Olinoff. Editors note, Drew is a geek who first worked at AOL when he was 16 years old and went on to become a senior writer at TechCrunch. He's now the VP of Communications for Venture Equity Fund ScaleWorks. I have a confession to make. It's something I live with daily. It's not that I'm proud of it. It's just that I'm never sure how people will see me after they know my secret. All right, here goes nothing. I was a YouTuber. Yep, there it is. Whew, I feel so much better. Or do I? Actually, I don't. Get ready for a whole lot of in my day, and it wasn't supposed to be like this. Because to quote Whoopi Goldberg and Ghost, Molly, you in danger, girl. In the beginning. All right, just to set this up, I'm from Philly, basically as far away from Silicon Valley as you can be in mind and spirit. Before I was a YouTuber, I was a podcaster. A bunch of my friends and co-workers of mine wondered out loud, what if we just recorded ourselves talking about technology? Would anyone listen? Do we even care if anyone listens? No? Okay, let's do it. The best damn tech show, period, was born. We went to meetups, podcast tapings. We even got sponsors. Crazy. People kind of listened. We learned about RSS and editing and compression and all kinds of things. It was never a real side hustle, but just for fun. We had a blast. Then, on February 14, 2005, in the faraway land of San Mateo, California, a site was born. It was called YouTube, and it was amazing. Democratization of video. You didn't have to be famous or important to put anything on it. You could goof off, show a video of your cat doing something stupid, and maybe 40 people would watch, and you went along on your merry way. It wasn't an obsession. It was a distraction. Kind of like TV is, but for anyone and everyone. That was the point. Google saw potential to the tune of $1.65 billion when they acquired it lock, stock, and barrel in November 2006. Who knew cat videos could be such a big business? In reality, Google saw ridiculous engagement, mostly on illegal content. They took on the legal battles without batting an eyelash, that they saw an opportunity to grow it into what it is today. But we'll get to that later. Anyway, so here we are making these fun podcasts, and then I asked the group, hey, what if we put a webcam on us while we talked and uploaded it to this site YouTube? Maybe people would watch us. It sounded even goofier than podcasting, but we did it, and it was something. 
But still, we shot our videos, maybe did some editing because we wanted to learn, and then tossed it up on this site and went along our merry way. Sometimes we offended someone, but mostly we just used foul language and talked about Silicon Valley stuff from the perspective of blue-collar Philly people. The years went on, and it got more fun. We built a set in a house in Philadelphia, and we had actual guests on. Mostly we just drank and goofed off, but it was fun. The production quality was better, we got more sponsorships, and we kept on doing it for a few years. Other platforms came along, like Blip TV, and we'd put our stuff on there. But what we were noticing is that people were kind of watching our videos and then kind of visiting our website and then kind of leaving comments. We had a very small but mighty community, and it was cool. And then we went along our merry way, moved all over the country, had families, and stopped shooting. The De-Evolution The bridge from the old YouTube to the new YouTube, in my mind, is when they acquired a company called Next New Networks in 2011. Former tech cruncher Jason Kincaid's lead says it all. Cute kittens and toddlers may be YouTube's bread and butter, but Google's video portal needs more than that to encroach on the Goliath that is cable TV. But instead of shelling out for the rights to premium content from cable networks, YouTube is hoping it can nudge its existing community toward making high-quality videos. Translation, spend more time on this stuff and we will make sure you get paid for it. The game was changed. From YouTube's blog in 2011, In fact, the number of partners making over $1,000 a month is up 300% since the beginning of 2010, and we now have hundreds of partners making six figures a year. But frankly, hundreds making a living on YouTube isn't enough, and in 2011, we know we can and should do more to help our partners grow. Some said that YouTuber PewDiePie makes $12 million a year. A year. Oh yeah, something changed big time in 2011. It's certainly not fun and games anymore. This is a business, and when things turn into a business, you lose the fun. Now, I'm not going to get into any more stats or whatever, but, but it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that when millions of people talking about funny cats turns into one person making millions of dollars for their videos, some bad things are going to happen. Forget YouTube as a community for a second. PewDiePie has a community. They're fans. They fight with other communities to protect their golden child. It gets nasty, and when you zoom out, it pretty much looks like a five-year-old arguing on a school blacktop. It's silly. But when you zoom in, you see something way more nefarious. Those bickering communities drive engagement. A lot of engagement. Engagement is eyeballs, and advertisers pay for eyeballs. They don't care whose eyeballs and what those eyeballs are watching. They just want to be in front of them. How does YouTube police this? Well, for the most part, they don't. Why would they? I say that sarcastically because, of course, they should police it. We're human beings with hearts and souls and feelings. The almighty dollar couldn't drive most decisions at any company, could it? Could it? Of course it does. Community at scale is an unmitigated disaster. A very smart person who wasn't always so popular once said, Community doesn't scale, and it threw me into a tailspin. They're wrong. Look at Facebook. Look at Reddit. Look at YouTube. They're huge. Clearly, I'd missed the point, and they were right. So, as this YouTube thing evolved, 
So as this YouTube thing evolved, the happy little coders and engineers and product managers watched how we skipped from catvid to catvid, shared them on other sites like MySpace or Fartster or whatever, and built the platform around those tendencies. Growth hacking, more engagement, more eyeballs, more money, yada yada. So are you surprised that YouTube is now a playground for pedophiles? No. I'm not, because the company that built the growth engine around the early community that just wanted to share a video of their grandfather falling off his chair while sleeping is now being applied to assholes who call actual other human beings queer Mexicans for a laugh and views, sans any real humanity behind it. Duh. YouTube, with Google's firepower, has been building this engine since it got its grubby little hands on it in 2006. Twelve years. It's taken 12 years to become this awful. The community that YouTube was built around is the community that's now telling the company that bad things are happening, and they might want to take a look at reeling things in before all hell breaks loose and people start dying in large quantities because of the goings-on on its site. They call it personalization, and they say it's a tailored experience, and on and on. It's actually quite laughable how far justification can get you when you don't really care. Will YouTube change? Hell no. Why would they? When you spend that long to perfect being trash, you're probably pretty proud of it. Okay, back to community. If you're a YouTube user, you're not a member of its community, because if you were, they'd give a shit about you. Here's a real definition of community. A feeling of fellowship with others as a result of sharing common attitudes, interests, and goals. It's a feeling, not a box. And that feeling isn't reciprocated from YouTube. How do I know? YouTube's CEO has proven it. Uh, that would be Susan Wojcicki, and she tweeted, My number one priority is responsibility, even if that comes at the expenses of growth. Now, this may rub some the wrong way, but that's a flat-out lie. Even today's chest-beating over removing some supremacist and hateful content comes off as extremely weak and self-serving. Quote, Thanks to these investments, videos that violate our policies are removed faster than ever, and users are seeing less borderline content and harmful misinformation. Do you want a cookie? Look, just because we all like to watch videos, we're a member of a community? Nope, doesn't work like that. You're a cog in a wheel. You're the eyeballs. You're not a part of something big and great. Your feelings and well-being simply don't matter. Sucks, but as my dad used to say, dems to breaks. Community doesn't scale because by nature it can't. YouTube may grow in size, but it'll grow without the people that they originally built the platform for and around. Shedding annoying skin like a snake. It will evolve, but for the people who use it today, for whatever they use it for today, that makes more money for YouTube. Make no mistake, their best interests won't be kept in mind either, just like the original crowds wasn't and weren't. The Steven Crowders of the world will move out and be replaced by some new jackhole group of people that likes to fish-fight each other to the soundtrack of the Terminator or something. Whatever it is, it'll be weird, and yes, it'll come with all new problems. And no, YouTube won't do anything to fix them. The company just doesn't care. So, yep, things have changed. I'm an old, but I'm not asking you to get off my lawn. I'm going to get off yours. I had fun making goofy videos and learning how to make them. Hearing from people who liked our stuff was neat, 
But we moved on, and with YouTube as a whole, I'll move on, because it's not mine anymore. Maybe I'll find a new one. Have fun and be safe. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more— and they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.